Hey, let's start the show. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, October 20th, 2016, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Or love about Jeremy, who's sitting next to me, or I'm introducing <laughs> right now, doing the audio, is that it's a mystery every time which of the opening intros he'll play. Yeah. Is it the standard opening? Is it that more, uh, maybe not more, but that lovely yeah. opening that we just heard? It's never the dubstep opening. Because that's only for when certain that's guests is on the only show. only for certain that, guests. That song reminds me of the one-up music. Do you remember the one-up show? I don't remember. The one-up show was show. probably the greatest games video podcast um, of the early days of podcasts, if if not ever, and it, it just had the best music. Norm, what do you love about me? Um, I love your oh, love. This, no, I don't uh, need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's kiss your Hari, other co-host joining us this week, and I'm of course Norm. Thank you guys for joining us all uh, on this lovely for us a Wednesday as we record on uh, this third week of October, one week before the third annual tested live show getting that promotion out of the way early this week like not exactly though right it's not a weekday it's not a weekday it's next it's saturday but right. about a week it's okay. in my mind it's essentially a week away all right from, i got it from that i i'm really excited about the show but i'm super stressed out because i'm doing a lot of like the, the producing and handling some of the production on the show yeah. It's shaping up really well. As if running the show wasn't enough. I mean, you're actually going to be on stage. You're today. leading two segments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to be in two segments. Yeah. <laughs> As it came up in a production meeting the other day, I was like going through all these like different, you know, technical details. And then somebody was like, aren't you in this show too? I was like, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> oh. Yes. Yes. Yes, you are. I'm really excited about it because it's some of like my favorite tested projects and mm-hmm. demonstrations from the past year. So I'm And thrilled. it's a lot of stuff that we have never shown before that we've been saving for the show specifically. Uh, just before we were recording this podcast, we were chatting with Adam about some of this, showing him some of the things we had prepared for the show, um, some, some cool things that we've done with technology. Without giving things away, he was very impressed. I will say, if thing, everything goes well, you will be able to participate in part of the show after the show is done. Oh, whoa. That's if everything goes well. That's not an excuse not to go, though. No, it's not an excuse not to go. It's He's, only part of the show you that's get to right. participate. That's right. Tested has finally made a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We've broken all the laws of physics just mm-hmm. for the live show. Mm-hmm. Um, so how have you guys been this past week? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I, you know, it's all relative. I feel busy, and then I talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, running a science festival that starts next week. The Tested Show is part of it. Uh, and I am super stressed out because uh, I have this thing that I run where like 80,000 people come to, and uh, that starts in about a week. So and we're like 180th of it. Yeah, about. That's about the right ratio. Actually, that day of the Tested Live Show, I'm going to five events that day. Wow, we are. I think our the, my festival hosts. I think twelve that day. 
Just in one day? Just that day. There's okay. 12 different ones. And uh, so, ours is the favorite one, right? Or your favorite? Well, I have to be in choose, that one. Choose a favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, and they're all over the place. So I, I, my car is now a reflection of my stress level. Mm. Is like the you stuff just you have left in your car. Yeah, you see like empty diet coke cans just like crushed in like, <laughs> in like seat wells and stuff. That was after that conference call. <laughs> Last time I saw your car, you had human brains in the trunk. Uh, yeah, also yep. a reflection of a stress level. <laughs> Actually, my favorite event that we're doing during this entire festival. Sorry if this is too like promotionally, but this is the weirdest thing we're doing. We, uh, you know, those social uh, those art events that like they take over like a wine bar and they like teach you how to paint. Like recreate like masters. Oh yeah, we've talked about those. Yeah, so we um, are doing one that's a human organ painting night. So we're bringing like hearts and brains and models, and people can come like paint models of that along with scientists explaining them and art instructors and science illustrators. It is one of my favorite things I've ever done. Hmm. Oh, I, that sounds really cool. Like you're, they're painting representations of those using, as opposed to live models body parts yeah so we have like real human brains but then there's also scientists on hand to you know handle your curiosities educate you and art instructors to like let you sort of unleash yourself Mm. and the brain is a pile of gray goo so it's not that exciting artistically but people generated these incredible paintings uh the first time we did a pilot and so we're asking like what do you want to do next and they're like hearts we want brains and hearts wow um so i'm really excited about that I have one, a few of the paintings up in my office. Did anyone do a phrenology thing? Uh, no one did a phrenology, but a lot of people did like representations of what they think is in their own brain, based oh. off of like different regions the like neuroscientists would tell them about. I learned about I learned about phrenology because it was the name of a Roots album. Oh, oh really? Yeah, and in fact, the cover of it is you know a diagram of phrenology. I have a phrenology head in my house that's like in my office. Uh, We've been looking for a really. There, there are so many different versions of it. There's one that I've been looking for, and Danica's been looking for, that we can't find. We go to all these odd shops every time we visit different cities, and and not. I mean, those are just some of those old vintage ones look fantastic, relics of a different medical age. Well, yeah, I'm hoping for an escape from all of my work obligations during the next couple hours, though, during this podcast. Okay, so, all right. Is there? I've missed out on a lot of like pop culture. Anything come up in pop culture this week? We let's jump right into it then. Now, this isn't strictly in the realm of popular culture when we think of movies, comic books, or TV shows, but it is in the public consciousness this, this month, especially uh, in the next, uh, next two, three weeks. Uh, it is the election, of course. And while we are not a political podcast, we do, fo- three of us, follow politics. And vote. And vote. Very important. I already voted. Oh, I actually, I, I, I have the, uh, the ballot that they get mailed to you. I filled it out. I have. I'm going to bring it to the day of. I'm not mailing it in. I like bring it to the. the so you can place. get the sticker. So I can get the sticker. <laughs> yeah. But they also count your vote later. They do. But you get the sticker, and it still counts, and it's still important. There it, is one thing I'm ab- obsessed with in this uh, politics like debacle. That's the only way I can describe it. It's because it is kind of a mess. Uh, I go to 5:38 every day. <laughs> to like look at their prediction models. I'm obsessed with all of these statistical models and they have like a whole podcast on 538 that's just dedicated to talking about 
the statistical work that goes into generating their model. So right. 538, for people who don't know, it's Nate Silver's website run, I guess, owned by ESPN under the ESPN umbrella. So they do sports and politics and, among other things, in popular culture, but from a statistical perspective, all statistical analysis. So let's remove all bias. Yes. And and they are not always successful, and they've owned up to that fact. I think they're, they're, there are some blinders um, in terms of what they cover, but they try to be as objective as possible, and they gained, Nick Silver, or Nate Silver gained fame in 2008, I guess it was, eight years ago, um, when his models helped predict, using just statistics, help, he was accurate in predicting the election, not just the presidential election, but uh, much of the congressional election as well. Yeah, and I, what I love about Model Talk is he'll take questions from Twitter, like legitimate questions about questioning the model. Like there's different like mathematicians and economists that will write in and, and like question like uh, certain weight he gives to uh, elements, like certain poll. Why does he skew the polls this way? My favorite thing that um, they've been talking about doing is there are these instant polls like after debates like you know where sites will host like who do you think won the debate yeah and they're yeah. obviously biased because like the uh who comes to those sites is you know very you know self-selecting so nate was talking about doing something fun uh with like the drudge report one which is you know leans towards trump obviously and like unskew their instant polls <laughs> so like i feel like he is basically a math junkie that is this is like his time to shine I if you it, enjoy the math of, of politics, this is your time. Do you, people, do you think that his personal politics are revealed through the site or podcast? Uh, they've had a few where that has definitely come through, especially after some of the more unfortunate aspects of this election where because they've been doing live shows where they've been doing live podcasts and their humanity comes out where, you know, they express disappointment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think the clearest one is when there's been attacks against the idea of democracy, like how voting works and and how polls work and how, you know, how we count and how fair things are. Uh, that's when you can really see them come to the to the front mm -hmm. in that way. And another interesting thing is I, I think a lot of people visit these sites and read polls, whether it's from 538 or whether they're watching television or whether local polls or national polls, and they don't understand. They, they too, associate uh, percentage with guarantees. Like if, if you see a poll and you see in a certain states a candidate is leading by 5% or at 55% chance of winning, it almost in their head feels like it's a guarantee win. Like that, that it's which is it's not like you have to read the statistics like what they actually are. Um, Plus, so, these are always in flux. Yeah, and every day there's a new, new graph. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every every, every couple hours. I love hours. it. I love it. I wish there was something else that ran through my life where I could visit a site for daily updates. I guess that's sports. Huh? Sports, and that's why they do both sports and politics. And I think people do that. With, I mean, with the the baseball playoffs going on right now. They're running these exact same statistical models on all sorts of obscure things. Um, and it's really fun to, to dig in the, the stats. Sports feels so much more random, though, than this stuff. I don't know. Maybe. I that's mean, it, I, I think there's maybe with sports, you have a greater awareness of the externalities and the, the factors that come in. And with politics, there's certain, and they do their best to explain what those factors are, but it's never very clear cut. Like, anyway, uh, political talk. Over. Let's move to the movie talk. 
Oh, are there any new movies or movie trailers that have come out? Yeah, just before we started the podcast, uh, James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, just posted some first footage from the sequel, I believe coming next year. The trailer may already be out by now. Mixtape Volume 2? Mixtape. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, obviously. There's a poster, a teaser poster. Oh, obviously it's part of the title? No, 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 no. Okay. That would be amazing. I think that's just part of the movie poster. Uh, Did they give away any characters we haven't seen before? Uh, not in this footage I've seen. Although what? in the poster, you can tell uh, who's returning. And it's not just the main cast, the main Guardians of the Galaxy heroes. There are some of the villains returning that may, may be joining them. I don't know. Oh, not joining them. No way. Why not? No. My question is, are we going to see Star-Lord's father? Uh, in the trailer? No. No, no, but in this movie. Oh, yeah, of course. They've, it's been confirmed in a Oh, revealed. it has it? They oh, cast yes. the his father? Yes. Is his father a big deal? Well, e- I, I think the yes. direction they're taking with the movie, and I don't know if we want to move in the spoiler talk, but with the direction they're taking, I think they definitely cast an actor. Let's put it that way. Okay. The character I don't want to reveal, but we can talk about the actor. Who right? is it? I believe it's Kurt Russell. Oh, I didn't. Oh, oh, I know what character he's playing. Yeah. We can't talk about this. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Huh. All right. No, it, because it's going to be like two hours of us trying to explain trying what this character is. No, that's, that's good. I don't want that either. And I mean, it's not even the character that's in the comics that's his father, but yeah. it's just like a, a comic book character that uh, that they brought in that. I thought that he was just some kid who was abducted as a kid, right? No, he has special. He has an alien father. Oh, okay. And a human mother. But that but, that was that's not known in the first movie, right? I will tell you if it you want to. It is. Do they do they allude to that? They yeah. do at oh. the very end of that movie. Oh, okay. Uh, if you want to come over, I have some of the original comic books where this character comes out, so we can have a whole like reading because I don't think I can actually explain that character without reading comic this, books. The character who they yeah. who, who they have cast huh. written as Star-Lord's father. I, I love that you just invited Jeremy over for a hangout ap- after school. Yeah. Come over, <laughs> come over to my place and read some comic books. Are we going to get to see more Benicio Del Toro? I don't think so. That was far too short in the first film. He He's going to be in more of these movies. Like His character is a pretty pivotal character cool. mm. around some of the Infinity Stones. So he'll be back, and then there's a character in his collection that I think is going to emerge. So it's going to be a pivotal character. Yeah, it's a big deal for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because it will some, at some point dovetail into Avengers, Infinity War. I guess they're not calling it part one and two now. It's just Infinity War is the first one, and then the second movie is untitled. Hmm. Um, and they're filming those back to back. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's also Doctor Strange coming out this week. Uh, I told you, told you guys I'm not going to watch any more trailers, and that's not because I'm boycotting the movie. It's because I'm actually excited for the movie, and I know I'm going to watch it, and so I don't need to be teased. Right on. I'm pretty excited about that movie. What did a, you buy advance tickets already? Or are you I that excited? I, I didn't buy advance tickets yet. Is it on know. Rotten Tomatoes yet? No. Is it out that soon? No, no, no. no it's no, like no, two no. weeks. Early yeah. stuff. Comes yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy tickets after the tested live show. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's what I'll do. Yeah. Um and th- that one the costume just looks fantastic. Yeah. I I think it's perfect casting. I think it like hit him as Benedict Cumberbatch Benedict Cumberbatch as uh Doctor Strange is great. We can quibble about some of the other casting, but like, you know, the uh, the overall cast, especially Chiwetel Ejiofor as uh as Mordo, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I like Benedict Wong. There's two Benedicts in this movie. Benedict Wong as yeah. as Wong. So uh, that's the official Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is, of course, the uh, the other rights holders who have their own Marvel movies, Fox, and we did see otherwise some known as the terrible Marvel movies <laughs> for the most part. I, I think they they may be a little misguided. There are two things coming out on the Fox side. There's the the final Wolverine movie, mm. which I'm. This is the one I'm. I'm I say it every time. I'm going to be excited for, you know, Wolverine Origins. I thought was one of the worst comic book movies of all time, and yep. I thought uh, Green uh, Lantern probably worse. But yeah, yes, uh, and the Wolverine was that the last one? Yes, the Wolverine was. Why? Why do people giving crap to Ben Affleck about the Batman when they had a movie that was the Wolverine? <laughs> because the the Wolverine actually the Wolverine was fine. The it movie was not bad. Did oh, you see title. this, Jeremy? No, title is fine. Any of these? The movie was okay. I uh, it was a huge disappointment. Also, what is this one called? Wolva Dash Reen? No, it's called Logan. Oh dear lord! Just called Logan. Yeah. And it's James Mangold who did uh, directed, uh, I believe, the last movie as well. And uh, the photos look really stylized. It looks really noir. What like, What makes you think it's the final one? They Hugh Jackman said, said. Hugh Jackman, yeah. he's too old now. He can't play okay. uh, a mutant that never ages and never gets hurt. Mm-hmm. It's been over tw- uh, almost 20 years. It will yeah. almost be 20 years since 1998 when the first... No, no, it was 2000. No, 98 when the first X-Men movie came out, I think. Are we sure about that? I so think. it's the last Hugh Jackman Wolverine It's the last movie. Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie. Not necessarily the last Wolverine movie. No, and I think they're definitely setting up some... Some things in here for there to be a, a successor to the Wolverine right. character. You're right, 2000. Be. Yeah, 2000. So it's been six, 16 years, which is a long time to play a character who supposedly never ages and, ah. and is in peak physical condition. <laughs> These names for the Wolverine movies. What's next? Hey, bub. Is that going to be the next next Wolverine movie? I'll take something from the comics. J- Weapon X. Yeah. Oh, there hasn't been. Yeah. Yeah, Good see? Call. There's just plenty. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's a treasure trove of comic things your writers have been working on it for decades um all right enough I, of this week in marvel uh, we gotta get jeremy back in the show okay okay uh <laughs> let's go from let, let's go from sci-fi to westerns and sci-fi Yeehaw. red dead redemption red dead redemption 2 so there was a teaser uh color really <laughs> released by <laughs> yeah. rockstar you call that a teaser where they just made their logo red yep <laughs> no, no it, was, it was their logo across a red background yeah we, some of us hoped it was the return of Rockstar Ping Pong. Ping Pong, yeah, table uh, tennis. But it, it like you would pull back and it would be a table, a, a racket. But no, Paddle. it's Red Dead Redemption 2, which is going to make far more people happy. And that's, Is it? When's it coming out? Next year. Oh, okay. Pro, I think a year from now, like a long, oh, time, wow. a long time from now. Um, but it is, uh, that is going to be a good game because the first one was phenomenal. The, the horse mechanics in that game, best of all time. And it's Even, just and and has not since been surpassed by the likes of Metal Gear Solid MGS Five. Not in my opinion. What? Or, what? W- w- which had horseback riding? Battlefield One also is horseback that, riding. I saw the Battlefield One stuff, and people were raving about that. I don't think it's as good. All right, but the whole game is great. It's Grand Theft Pony. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is Grand Theft Pony. Pony, which is it's an interesting time for that game to be announced, and obviously they've been working on it for a long time. But I got to bring it back to Westworld. Okay. Because I, I know I don't know if you guys have watched it since last week, since we gushed and talked about it last week. I'm still know. just after I have only watched episode one. Oh, well, I haven't watched it yet. You gotta watch it, Jeremy. I will. You I gotta will. watch it. It's it's so good. I think it 
it may change the way you think about video games and Red Dead Redemption, the game, and Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> what? I, what yes. do you mean it changes the way you approach video I games? was talking to Will yesterday, and he said uh, all of his game designer buddies said exactly that, that they have a very unique perspective on this show Yes, from a game design standpoint. Because the writers, the showrunners of the show, even though they're creating a fiction and they're, it's not a video game, it's a narrative story over the course of a serialized story over X number of episodes yeah. on TV, they... In, in their in their background of writing the uh, the the world that the story that Westworld exists in, they had to create these rules and they looked to game design, hmm. video game design, very specifically in terms of crafting the concept of Westworld, a fictional amusement park, and also the player activities and the guest behavior. They looked at player mo- players because they're dealing with AIs because they're dealing with game narrative design, so. The analog for Westworld and video games is that it's an RPG. It's a real-world RPG. And the characters in the TV show have to design an amusement park with AI, with robots, as opposed to just NPCs, that also that play out like NPCs and AI would in a video game and interact in, in an MMO sense. But maybe. in a futuristic video In game. a futuristic MMO. But they... But they have the same rules. So really? I'm gonna give you one example. Okay. And it, and this I don't, I wouldn't constitute as a spoiler. Um, one of the characters, um, you see the perspective in Westworld. One of the perspectives is from a car- a, a, per- a guest entering the world, and they walk into the town, the main town of the world. And it's kind of like the main town of the video game when you first walk in, and as that person, that guest, is experiencing that world and being immersed in Westworld, the encounters they have feel natural but are scripted and are narratively driven by like to to engage them in quests essentially Mm -hmm. like triggered events exactly so like a bounty hunter will go up and they want to come with me on a bounty hunt and and then Mm -hmm. or they can bump into um you know they can go into the saloon they can drink at the bar and play some games there or you know they can go off with the 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 hookers and or yeah they're it's it's a very adult themed show um but the game, the interesting game design aspect is that it's it's an MMO. There are multiple guests who are in that Westworld, and the NPCs in that fictional world are designed to, to have their own stories that happen if the guests don't interact with them. But if the guests do interact with them, their stories have to dynamically change. How much of this are you assuming or deducing? I'm not deducing. I'm not assuming any of this. It's actually written out. There are flowcharts that have been released online. From what? from HBO to build up the fiction of Westworld. Oh wow! To show how the story designers in that the fiction have designed their AI. Hmm. Wow. So the, it's more of a video game, a game than a theme park. Yes. In that way. Well, it, yeah. It, it, it's not a theme park in the sense that you're going there and seeing attractions and yeah. watching shows. It's going in a real world RPG. Well, I think the the original film approached it more as a theme park. You know, they didn't. They obviously didn't have video games to right, riff, right. riff off of like that. That's really cool. And and so you got to watch because there it ties directly into the story because you're uh, like we've said before, a lot of the story is also in the perspective of the robots, the hosts, and to see their daily lives. So they have their cycles yeah. that they go on. Mm-hmm. You know, they wake up, they have to go to action A, they have to have a conversation with another robot that's scripted. And then they go off and maybe they get interact with a, a guest, but they have each of their days almost like a Groundhog Day, <laughs> get yeah. get pivoted. 
the that's show all might, taken into consideration. This sounds like the show is going to drive me insane. Like I'm going to be that crazy person with like strings on a on a like you know board on the side, like tying together all like the oh, themes, welcome like to conspiracy uh, theory show. Right, welcome to our Westworld. Yeah, you'd fit right in there, I bet. Yeah. So is it? Um, how many episodes in are you? Uh, three episodes in. The fourth episode airs this Sunday. You like, and it's maintaining a good. Oh yeah. Consistency. Oh yeah. All right. Tell us what you think of Westworld and before is, Jeremy and I really dive in. I mean, going back to why I brought it up, because we're talking about Red Dead Redemption 2, and I think playing video games, like, the things that keep me immersed in RPGs are the are and believable aren't just the missions, but how much life they put into the NPCs and AI characters you interact with. Yeah. Like, some of the best parts of GTA are just watching people go about their lives in the world and t- realizing that someone at Rockstar designed those things. And some of that was scripted explicitly and some of that was just put into these behavioral algorithms. Yeah, and like emergent systems. Mm-hmm. And seeing that trajectory of where these emergent systems can go. Yeah. In the context of a local games, something that's running on your computer, you just have gigs and gigs of data running off of your CPU or something that may be running off a remote server. Um, I don't think any MMO has had... It, MMOs are brought alive by the people who play it, not necessarily the things that they populate because there's too much to populate. But eventually, we're going to get an MMO that will have all these emergent things. Um, you know, What if NPCs interact and do things while the players aren't there? Mm-hmm. Because you, if you don't need explicit action for, for NPC interaction for NPCs to behave, but you can observe from afar, then that keeps you in, immersed in that world. Yeah, that's cool. And it's, it is different, though, if you're actually present in the space, in, in the real world, like you are in the Westworld fiction. Well, that's why VR. Then if you're in VR right. or you know, even World of Warcraft, where players are allowed to see something different. Yeah. Like, if I return a quest in World of Warcraft, the other players don't see me engaging with that NPC in the same way I do. But in Westworld, they would have to. Exactly, exactly. Um, there's, oh God, I don't want to spoil. There's the, one of the favorite scenes that fans have of this most recent episode, which is not plot essential, is that there's a, um, a band full of these robots and they were scripted to go on this mission, like, to, to have a conversation around a campfire and go on this um, this it, 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 be part of that world, right? But one of the robots was missing, the one that was in charge of cutting the firewood and making the <laughs> campfire. And so huh. that robot being missing meant the other robots that were supposed to be part of that party were stuck in a narrative loop. This is they, in the show? In the show. All right, I'm, I'm there, I'm there. Where they had to, for three days, talk themselves into <laughs> why they weren't leaving. Yeah. And like generically like, well, it's not my job. I cut the campfire last time. Camp- yeah. But b- programmatically, they weren't allowed to, to access the axe and cut the, the wood for the campfire. I love it. Yeah. you got to watch the show. All right. Um, more, uh, I'm going to jump down to MondoCon because we're getting what's, too much in the pop culture. What's MondoCon? Uh, MondoCon's an event that I've never been to and I wish I could go to. It's a c- convention. I think I want to say it's third year running now. Um MondoCon, uh, run by the fine folks at the Alamo Draft House and Mondo's. They do poster, limited poster releases, official uh, fan art, uh, license from the studios, and this is their annual show in Austin where they bring up many of their artists, 
people that we know, some people we know, like Ali Moss and Kevin Tong, and some artists that we're big fans of to reveal new work and to talk about their design process. Haven't you been down there around the same time? You were like at South by Southwest, and they had a presence there. Was that not yeah, this? Yeah, it wasn't this. Okay. So South by Southwest has a uh, spinoff show. Um, why am I forgetting its name now? Um, that's also a poster show, but it's more about, and some of those people do cross over, and okay. it's also in Austin, but that's all more, more about concert posters. I remember some Disney stuff. You remember that? Oh, that was at Mondo. Yeah. So that was so Mondo is based in. Uh, they have a gallery in Austin. Okay. And they do regular uh, shows, um, and so when we were in South by Southwest, we did stop by their their uh, gallery and uh, buy some art there. But it wasn't like a timed event. Okay. Uh, that was a ti- yeah. That wasn't an annual convention. This is a full on convention. Super cool. Are they still limited at this convention? Like, if yeah. I wanted to get oh, that, yeah. there's an amazing Wally poster that yeah, by so, Tom Whalen. Yeah. Someone needs to help me procure because I love it. You need a poster mule. <clears throat> but are there only say 250 available at this yep. event? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. People still have to wait in lines. Poster mule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, does this sound familiar? Oh, well, that's Chewy. Is that like a... Speaking of only getting things at specific events, you can now buy the mouse droid <gasps> from Star Wars. <gasps> no way! Only at Disneyland and Disney World. It's an RC mouse droid. So that, that sound clip was from uh, when Chewie was being brought... Uh, he had handcuffs on him and was brought being to detention cells in episode He didn't four. really have handcuffs on him. Yeah. He, yeah. he, 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 didn't, <laughs> like, he didn't like having the handcuffs being put on him. Yeah, he didn't Regardless. Like uh, and, and he growled at the mouse droid. Now that's a song. That mouse droid song is something I have always had in my head. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> For whatever reason, things get stuck, and that's one that's always been there since 1977. And now you can buy it. Why haven't I? I'm surprised that I haven't made one of those just on my own. I got to connect you with Mike McMaster, uh, the Wally builder and RJ Droid builder. Yes, yeah. he has made one. I bet he has made a, a metal one. That's awesome. Machined it. Uh, with wheels, he had it at um, he had it at Comic Con, but uh, yeah, he's made a mouse droid. Yeah, I don't know how much they're going to cost, and, but that's that's. What do you think of only being able to buy them in Disney parks? Is that coercive? No, I think there's plenty of things that they make just for their parks. I, I, I'm you're okay with that. I'm okay with that. Sounds okay. kind of Disney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it's very in character. Is it? I mean, because they're not selling as many as they could otherwise. But they're getting you to the parks. Yeah, uh, I guess so. I mean, they do a lot of their parks that they don't have to to enhance experience. And if this is a way of this exclusivity is to enhance experience and get more money out of you, yeah, that feels very Disney, like Ashore said. I'm going to Disney World. Hey, you January. can also get a Comlink uh, Bluetooth adapter so you can oh. talk like through the C-3PO Comlink. Ooh. Make phone calls. Now, would you rather use that or the Star Trek Communicator Bluetooth? 100% the Star Trek Communicator. 100%. I'm going to go with Kishore. Yeah, that's available already. Yeah. You can buy it from ThinkGeek, I believe. Who wants to like carry around a thing <laughs> like this? <laughs> Little thimble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last final, very short bits with pop culture uh, this week. Uh, I did the unfortunate thing of watching both the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel. Well, that was your own mistake. That was my own mistake, as well as you Independence watch- Day Resurgence. You watched both of the I watched Turtles. No, no, no I bo- watched both the sequel. Uh, the Ninja Turtles movie sequel and Independence Day. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. Both those movies, which I thought would 
do something. I, I, I thought it would rekindle some fond memory of the original source material. Mm. Uh, I will say I enjoyed the Ninja Turtles movie more than Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, and, that's good, man. I know somebody who worked on that film, so I'll pass along that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a compliment? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the, the, they're both terrible. But I think I was disappointed more by the Independence Day movie, the sequel. It, so was it just cheesy? It wasn't cheesy. It was uh, it, it was a retread of the original, and also tried to set up too much and brought in. There's one plot element which they bring in that completely out of the like comes out of nowhere and makes no sense. Um, Are you actually avoiding spoilers? Should I be? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, aliens come back. We got that. Well, the aliens came. The aliens come back, and we fight. And I, the concept of okay, we had twenty years to prepare for them, and even the twenty years of preparation didn't prepare us for to fight them. Like they did the thing where, and I, I thought it would just be short, but they did the thing where they said, "Oh, okay, how can we make these aliens even scarier, or even worse?" Even when we had then the city-sized spaceships. Well, they, and this is gonna hurt your science brain, Kishore. <laughs> instead of one, instead of like uh, however many ships they had come in Independence Day, they had one ship come, one alien mothership, and it was the size of the Atlantic Ocean. Sure. 3,000 miles across, and it landed on Earth. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. <laughs> Where did it land if it it's landed the size of the Atlantic Ocean? The Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> that was convenient, actually. Wow. That's and actually ha- kind of a great land bridge. No, and, and, Europe. and it created landing struts that crushed London and um, sure. uh, Western Europe and the Eastern Americas. Okay. Yeah, and great. so it, it, you've got your city destruction all in one go with mm-hmm. one one event, and you had something, I don't even know how much this would weigh, but weigh more than the moon, <laughs> the size of the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> Okay, land <Yeah>. on Earth. <laughs> And and then that wasn't no impact destroyer. on the earth. No, by no the impact. Yeah, no, no impact, impact on the earth. No, Just no. London yeah. will be gone. And, yeah. w- and by the end of the film, I assume it's still there. You can't. No, no. By the end of the film, because <laughs> you can't take on something <laughs> the size of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So they had to scale down the fight, and so they had to have the queen, the queen alien, because they had a queen, of course, come out in her own little spaceship, and they fought that spaceship. Uh-huh. And once the queen was defeated. Oh, then the mothership was recalled back. Oh, it, it took, took off. It took off. It took off. It's conveniently left. <laughs> All right, and that didn't destroy Earth either. But that's not even the, the worst like plot point. That's not the worst. No, plot point. no, they brought in. A wait, g- wait, Jeff Goldblum must be the worst plot point. He's he's, he's just plays Jeff Goldblum. Uh, they brought in a uh, a good uh, alien entity that was good. Oh yeah, that's a twist. A, a spherical ball that came ahead of the alien invasion that tried to save us. A and spherical we, ball, uh, or, yeah, it, it's like a Borg sphere. It looked like, oh, and a large ball. A large ball came through like a wormhole, and it tried to. And then we thought it this would, one landed in the Pacific. It's no, okay. No, we captured wow. it off the moon. It oh. was terrible. Has everyone in this room <laughs> traded in <laughs> their Galaxy Note sevens? No. Is it? Have they made it easier to do that? They have. Oh, first of all, it's illegal. Uh, was it illegal last week when we talked about it to to fly on planes with them? 
or was it just the warnings? I think it was just the warnings. Now it is. You can get fined. It's, it's, it's scaling up. Yeah, which is a, it, it's really bad for Samsung because apparently uh, there have been reports from planes of flight attendants and TSA agents not exactly knowing the difference between a Note 7 and like last generation notes or just the Galaxy 7s. They've been making it's tough to differentiate, right? Yeah. It would be it would be terrible for Apple, of course, if this happened cuz like you have to differentiate iPhone 7 or iPhone 6. Yeah. They would just have to say no iPhones. Um, but this is a very specific uh, ban on the Note 7s. And you know people don't want to give up their phone while they're traveling, so they're not necessarily going to volunteer this stuff. That's right. And that's why there's a fine. That's why you, if you get caught with the Note 7 in the x-ray, uh, <gasps> it will be taken away from Even you. Even going through security? Going through security. That's, that's the gate point where they will take it away from you. Wow. So at the security checkpoints, Samsung has set up kiosks. And by kiosks, we mean banners and attendants to let you trade in your phone f- for credit and a refund right there at airports. <laughs> what about all my data all I, my I know stuff. you you can you can get $75 refund right now or 125 at the duty free store oh, that would be hor- amazing this is horrible think of all the Toblerone I could get for my Note 7 yeah at the duty free that's right yeah that'd be amazing I want to hear from people who have the Note 7 what are they doing with who's it? Are still you, are you who, trading it in are you wait 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 who watches this podcast a supposedly a technology podcast and still has a Note 7 on them there's no way anyone that listens to this podcast yeah, still you want to get your refund, you want to get your voucher, and you want to send that in ASAP. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you see the GTA Note 7 bond? That's no. my favorite thing I've oh, seen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it turned the sticky bombs into Note 7s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, well, maybe if you trade in your Note 7, you might look into the Google Pixel phone because the reviews are out. Because um, sure, you're, you have yeah, one Yeah, embargo order. listed, what, like uh, Wednesday or Tuesday? This is, the reviews are weird. They're very divisive. Yeah. I, I think the majority of them are positive, uh, but it's not like a glowing positive. It's not like a world-changing, ecosystem-changing device. I don't know. I think we might need to call in Nate Silver because the reviews are all over the map. Like, Gizmodo hated it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Wired thought it might be one of the best phones they've ever tried. Well, where did their opinions differ? On, so the, on the actual when you specs. start to dig into it, the I think a lot of the division seems to be around the assistant itself, and not, and this is kind of an interesting place for tested I think, but it's not about how the assistant functions, but the expectations of how assistant should function, um, and so I, what is your mantra norm like? We're not testing a a product that could be. Don't test it for what it promises to be. Test it for what it is today. Buy it for what it is today. So I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of the reviews is like the like assistant being the promise of of assistant has led to some really positive reviews Mm -hmm. and the reality of assistant has led to some negative reviews. I don't don't get it. Google Assistant's been around in the form of, of Google now. Yeah. Right. For a quite a long time. What what are they still needing to refine that isn't there yet? Yeah, I mean, like people cited some really specific cases where they're like, "I'm looking for a bar near me," and the uh, restaurant, uh, the assistant not being able to deliver that information in a cogent way. Hmm. Uh, and then the you know in the Wired review, they talk about going to a foreign country with like Project Fi, which is you know Google's um, you know cellular service, and it being massively helpful uh, in a way that uh, other assistants have never ma- matched up. Uh, both like translating 
um, locating things uh, very easily and delivering consistent service without like swapping in new SIM cards and doing all of that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, and Walt, Walt Mossberg, we mentioned that article last week where he compared it to Siri, and yeah. it was hands down better than Siri. Yeah, but I think that's the thing is people expected, I think some people expected a lot out of this assistant because Google's work in this has been leaps and bounds better. No one picked up the iPhone 7 and was like, wow, <laughs> look at Siri. Like, you know, just because it's been a you know dumpster fire. So it's expectations, absolutely. I mean, and going even going back to the difference between how Siri and uh, Amazon Echo was received and anticipated. We love the Echo because expectations weren't high, and it, what it did, what we expected out of it, it performed very well, and the accuracy was was high for that. But don't you think we also compared it to all the other options available, and it still. So, so was at, better at some at, in some cases yes uh, and that's only because of the omnidirectional mic and so yeah. that performance that always on aspect yes uh, if we're talking about the realms of phones and and a passive listening for phones uh, I don't think it's still as good as the dedicated microphone speaker system um, that Google Home is supposed to be and, and Echo is now um, but you know the uh, I mean going back to the Pixel though the I think the I think the assistant is going to be divisive because of you know what we've talked about i think when you dig into like the internals of the phone people have said like camera's good might not be as good as the iphone 7 plus camera uh and it looks like an iphone it's fast people have complained about some of the the hdr being a little laggy but the phone's really fast so it works fine um i pre-ordered one i'll get my hands on it we'll test it out and take a look i'm gonna say i'm optimistic about this phone because I think it looks a lot better than some of the old Nexus phones. It's fast. It's well, that streamlined. simpler. Yeah, uh, it's streamlined. It, yeah, it's a streamlined. It's made by HTC. Uh, the the one thing that you know from purchasing decisions perspective, because regardless of how great the phone is and how many how fast the updates you're gonna get, how much you're paying for it, it's an expensive phone. And when you look at the last Nexus offerings the 5X and 6P, you can get those from a little less than this phone and still get very close to what you need out of an Android phone. Not many people need to have, you know, it's, it's going to be worth it for them to pay the extra 150 bucks or whatever it is to, to have, you know, assistant now as opposed to what it'll be a year from now. I agree. I can't wait to get my hands on it, though, um, because a, a phone like this, seems well worth taking a really in-depth look at. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's more about, I mean, part of it is what the product is now, and also part of it is what the product stands for. And if the product stands for Google, uh, Google, like Microsoft, is in this strange place where they have to s satisfy the needs of their partners that build their ecosystem and help with their revenue, but also have to, also want to have this flagship hardware. And, and Microsoft, on the Microsoft side, they've had a lot of success with the Surface line and designing their own hardware, controlling you know at least their laptops. Um, on the Google side, they haven't had as much success uh, owning the design of their pure Android devices. I think Nexus, the Nexus, has been ebbs and flows. You know, peak, uh, it, it's been great in some versions of Nexus um, and not great. And a lot of the early greatness of Nexus was in affordability more than in pure premium performance that's the other thing that's divisive is like this is kind of an expensive phone yeah. like so 
I think it'll be interesting to weigh how much it costs versus the performance, especially compared to some of those other phones, which have, were more like four or five hundred dollars as opposed to seven, eight hundred, like this one is. Did any of the phones call it an iPhone killer? Uh, any of the reviews? Any of the, yeah, any of the reviews. Um, yes, yes, they did. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, why would you use that phrase? <sighs> You're gonna get the VR that makes headset, me sad. right? It came free. With a pre-order. Great. Bring that in, please. Yeah. yeah. I love the trial daydream. Yeah, we'll try that out. Cool. I'm actually more excited about Google Home than I am about the phone, to be honest. There's nothing like, I'm going to sound like Jeremy from all of last year. There's only marginal improvements that we're going to see in the phone. Like, you know, it's going to be slightly faster. Camera's going to be slightly better. These are not things that are going to make a huge difference to my day-to-day usage. Google Home could have a pretty big impact uh, on how I interact with different devices. Did you see that tweet um, that Chris Anderson retweeted uh, about how a linguist worked, in, a computer scientist linguist was astounded in about how accurate voice recognition is, and that we that it's a, basically a, close to being a solved problem. What? Really? What? Um, <laughs> I yeah, also don't agree with this. Let me. Uh, well, is he, he's he's obviously acknowledging the problems that exist today, but he's saying we're closer than you think. Well, closer than the the um, the point of the tweet was that brute force computing, yeah, to solve this problem was much more effective than using a theory based semantic base analysis. So linguists apparently. Um, in the 80s, when they were researching voice recognition, uh-huh. they thought that the only way to get voice recognition as you saw it in science fiction for a computer to recognize perfectly in, in normal speech what someone was saying was that the computer t- first have to understand semantics and break down sentences structure first. Uh, you go from understanding to um, to processing. Yeah, because then it allows it to correct self-correct errors. Exactly. And it turns out that that became the harder problem. The understanding is the harder part. And what became solvable, at least to a satisfying degree, was the recognition of sounds just using brute force and raw data. Uh, the, you lost me there. And just the computers and algorithms analyzing sounds mm-hmm. w- was able to solve the voice recognition, speech recognition problem, okay. as opposed to going from tr- solving that problem from a, uh, from a semantics perspective. Okay. But... Isn't the problem that there's a mu- there's almost infinite b- variations in the way that we produce the same sounds? You know, like your word sounds different than my word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and our phonemes have different tones. And right, right, and and that problem is largely solved by data. Okay, data and processing, as opposed to having the computer trying to understand the sentences we're trying to say first in order to speech recognize. Mm, okay, so I, I it's the point is that. It's one of the reasons why systems like Home and Alexa and Echo and even Dictation on iPhone you can do locally now mm-hmm. works so well, which feels like magic because it seems like such it seemed like such a impossible problem. Like do you remember the nineties, those voice recognition apps you can buy for your PC, you can buy a microphone, you can say like um, you can give it voice commands to launch certain programs yeah. and you have yeah. to train it and you only get like three words. Yep. It, it seemed like an impossible task. Yes. And and it still sounds like, in, in my brain, feels like it's something that shouldn't be able to happen today for a computer locally to be able to 
dictate and type out my 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 speech um, to a reasonable within reasonable accuracy. I still feel like we're f- too far off. It's still frustrating. The expectations. Too- I, I, I've never written a text message that's gone through a hundred percent. You know, really, yeah. never, never. And I, I slur, so I'm I'm a not a good case for this. I'm pretty sure like Steve Jobs and Tim Cook, they can send perfect text messages, um, but I can't. And it's I'm still waiting for that to happen. That's why when Alexa has understood me, and she usually does, that's why that is such a relief. And I feel like I'm not I'm no, no longer abused by my AI. I'd be really interested in you trying out some of the the Google Voice features because I actually I think if Norm, if we go through our text history. I don't think I've actually written a text to you in the last month. Yeah. I don't text Norm that But do often. you change your speech patterns for for dictation? Yeah, do you enunciate and do and you do say you must I say, don't enunciate. I'm louder, hmm. I think. Um, and you speak your p- punctuation. That's right. Well, sure. But, I mean, that's that's just sort of part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't feel like that's a big deal. Um, but... For the most part, it's it's me talking normally. I haven't. I don't really change that much outside of volume. Now, do your what about your kids? But you are on Google, and they're better. Yeah. So that that says something. I don't know. Let's try it. Oh no, Google's speech recognition is miles ahead of, of Siri. Okay, Google, send a text message to Norm. Oh, everyone's getting this now. Hey Norm. Oh. Hey Norm, how's it going over here? Period. You need a better use case than that. That's too short. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the feature that I would... Okay, how'd it go? Did it get it? No, no, it's <laughs> listening to you. All right. The, the, did you guys see the new um, uh, Alexa uh, feature no, for, for music? It's super cool. Uh, so you can now say, and I, I'll, I'll avoid saying the, the name of the device so everyone doesn't get that, but you can say the Amazon Echo you know, activation word, and then you can say, play me the song that goes... And then you you say lyrics from any song, mm. so yeah. Know, um, oh, so it worked. Yeah, and so like I said, what did I say? Like, um, um, not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. And then she replied, "Peter Piper" by Run DMC, and then she played it. Can you do the na 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 na? Can you play me the song? That you goes, can do anything. Na 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 na. And it will play the most popular result. But it's only lyrics. She never confirms anything with you. She never like says, "Do you mean this or this?" She just plays the most popular result. But it's awesome. But like, Google has been able to do that. I mean, this is building into. Google. I've never seen anybody do that. I'm sorry, Google search. Yes. In in terms of discovering songs, if you totally. everyone's done it. People's Listen done that for radio years. And, and and that's why, like, I've wanted that kind of functionality in my assistance for forever because I know that it's easily do- easily done. But now you can do that with with you know Amazon's device, and I think it's phenomenal. It's the taste of the future. I I now want more though. Like I want to say, play the most, play the best selling Weezer album. I want mm. that, or I want to say, like, play the top um, song on the, from 1986. I'll be impressed when you can say, because uh, that's that's a database thing that's easily solved. Right. Because you, you have, they have a database of lyrics. They just kind of match and do percentages. Yep. And as long as songs don't remix and, and don't take and sample and you're not using that particular track, if you give them, the, like, every word you give them in context, it increases accuracy by so much. Yep. Um, but... I want the system that I can tell the TV, play the movie where this guy says that to that person, or play the movie where there's a scene. Absolutely. And I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's the movie where the aliens attack and Earth blows up. Yeah. And then they'll play Independence Day. I'm telling you, like that's that's what I taste from this, and I want more of it. I love the, the fact that we're getting ever closer to that Star Trek computer. That's the goal of Google. 
So there goes your um, your Amazon Pixel news. Uh, there may be some iPhone news, or I'm sorry, Apple news and Apple products being announced later this month. Yeah, they're, they're MacBook, 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 MacBook. Yeah. So yeah. Microsoft also has an event on the 26th um, in New York, which the expectation is some type of Surface product. Uh, the rumors say uh, maybe not new Surface Pros or Surface Books, but some type of new Surface product. Who knows what that will be? Uh, but Apple now has an event scheduled for the day after, October 27th. We're talking about next Thursday. Wait, now. this is actually an announced event? Isn't isn't it? Okay. Uh, we don't have any special information. It's just what I've read. Okay. Um, but the expectation for that is that it will be finally the new MacBooks, the new MacBook Pros, the whole lineup, a, a Mac-centric event. Uh, now, the MacBook Pros haven't been designed, redesigned since 2012. So they're, they've been due for redesign. And the rumor sites are still f- sticking to the rumor that they're going to replace that top-level function key, uh, fun- function row of keys to uh, some type of display, a dynamic display that you can interact with. Yeah, I'm curious about that. That sounds interesting. But the part that uh, concerns me is they're getting rid of the, uh, well, the rumor is, they're getting rid of the... Um, USB. The, well, the power connector. Oh, they're getting rid of the power connector for USB-C? I guess so. The other rumor that worries me is that they're getting rid of USB Type-A ports. They can't do that. They just can't. Not on the Pro line. Are you sure? They can't. Thunderbolt. Why Why wouldn't they be able to? Because people use those. These are Pro laptops. People plug in devices to their Pro laptops. Yeah, how's your headphones doing? They plug in. and They plug into the, to my laptop. <laughs> and they need to because people go to Starbucks and I'm not attaching an adapter to it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, Dude, d- d- bad news. Please don't do that, Apple. Yeah, the rumor is it'll be USB Type-C and Thunderbolt only. I swear to God. That is a MacBook Air feature. Fine. Don't do that to the pros. You think you need at least two USB Type-A, USB 3 Type-A's? I g- at least one. I mean, just give me... Yeah. What, what is it enough? I mean, you use something for your mouse, at least. Yeah, I mean, I would like to. I like having my what, HDMI port. Bluetooth mouse. Uh, Thunderbolts are great, you know, but but God, don't get rid of that stuff on the pros. That's just stupid. What that, would be the reason for them to do it aside from wanting to have uh, ports that they control? Uh, Thin thinness. Uh, if somebody's bored. Uh, apparently, no con- no event is confirmed at this time, mm. but they are rumored. You're right for October 27th. Well, we'll see. They're um, that's soon. Yeah, I know. It's they have their earnings, I believe, next Tuesday, and then this event would be potentially next Thursday. Yeah, I mean, the Mac is a big business for them. It's a growing business. It is. I'm, I'm hoping that this is uh, that we see hints at some future development that we want, like Touch ID or Touch. Period. I, I think we're going to see Touch ID before Touch. Touch ID makes a lot more sense because. You know, not having to take out your credit card when you make a purchase, and them wanting to own that, uh, getting rid of this the solution that one password, for example, um, takes the place of now, and having it built into the to the um, the keychain and yeah. biometrics. And uh, now that it's sense. now that it's in so- desktop Safari, I think it's a no yeah. brainer. Yep. Uh, but touch, I don't. I don't think I've, I've wanted to see touch on a MacBook for so long. Me I, too. I don't think it's going to happen. There's no rumors to indicate it's happening yet, but it's got to happen. You think so? It has to happen. Oh, God. It's one of my favorite features of using Windows laptop. It, it, it's the thing that prevents me from using a Mac laptop is not having touch. Yep. 
Like I always say, every person under 10 thinks a Mac is broken. There you go. That's why you got to buy iPads and iPhones. <laughs> uh, so the other rumor with these uh, MacBooks that uh, they'll be using AMD chips, but uh, Apple might be patching up his relationship with NVIDIA. They had that following out a couple years ago. Um, and on the NVIDIA side, we did have two new graphics cards announced this week, the 1050 and the 1050 Ti. This these is a are, lot of tiers in the 10 line. They've always had, for every generation, this many? they've had, and it's all by pricing. Yeah. So they've always had, you know, something in the hundred dollar range, hundred fifty dollar range, two hundred, two fifty. You know, every fifty dollars you got to match up, and it's competitive. These are low margin products because AMD has their cards, and AMD kind of owns that the, the low end. So, but on, why not maintain like the old nine hundred series as the lower tier? Because of power consumption, you can do a lot more, and it's cheaper. I mean, it's cheaper to switch over everything over and turn turn off. Yeah. Um, and min some chips as opposed to doing two different manufacturing two different chips. So the 1050 and the 1050 Ti, I think it's $109 and $140, $140 or $150. Uh, they're made for basically 1080p gaming at 60 FPS, which a lot of people, that's still their, what they game at at 1080. Not everyone has 2.7K monitors or 4K monitors. And what they're saying is that the 1080, 1050 Ti will meet the min spec for VR. Yeah, is, is that because it's been lowered? Uh, and that's, I think it's both. Because yes. the uh, as of Oculus Connect, they've announced, uh, what is it, asynchronous space warp, yep. which allows for a 45 hertz signal from the PC. That's, that's right. That's then upscaled using a new positional. Which uh, they said was lowered the min spec on the 9 series to 960 as opposed to 970. Hmm. Um, but I guess this is the equivalent of the 1050 Ti. All right. Uh, other news in the PC building, PC gaming space, Razer has bought THX. What does that mean? THX is is now own the, the brand, the certification. The whole certification company? Like, it's really? an independent group under the Razer banner. Weren't they part? They were Lucas originally, right? Yes, and then it split off. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Razer, the keyboard company? Razer, the keyboard That's peripheral laptop company. Now How about that? runs THX and probably will use that THX approval on on there. It, it speaks to either one THX not doing very well and the THX certification, and it's kind of been hurting. It used to be the thing: go to theater, you get THX certification. It was a big deal. Sure. Now it's Dolby everywhere. Is that mm-hmm. right? It's, I mean, you, you at most. Think, think, yeah, think think about the, the last time you went to movie theater and you saw the THX cow. logo turning over the little oh, king. Yeah, they were all around you. All the moves. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, how hard is it going to be for Razer to get THX certification now? Probably not. Not very difficult at all. <laughs> I imagine it's a phone call. <laughs> well, also, the certification that they get under like laptops and, and stuff are are different. It's a different grade of certification. I see. Um, and so, but it's, it's a lot of it, it's branding. I remember it's, it used to be such a big deal when the, the clip speakers came out on PC and they had THX certification. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. They, they sounded good. They sounded fantastic. I mean, you talk about like the the big speakers of uh, the the PC building era from the early thousands. It was the Cambridge Soundworks, which were the the first amazing speakers, and then um, Klipsch, um, and now most people use headphones. Do you still use speaker, speaker setup at home? Yeah, on your on your computer. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Don't you? I, I use it. I, mine. Mine's are actually mine. They're creative. Yeah, I have. Cambridge Soundworks speakers. You have Cambridge Soundworks speakers? That I've had since 
2003. Are they the, the white ones? Yeah. Oh, wow. I love those. I, like, they're starting to really fall apart where, like, the bases on them have cracked and stuff. But, yeah. like, I've had no need to get new new ones. When I got to 5.1, that was enough. You have yeah. 5.1 on your PC? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have 5.1 on my PC. Do you really? You have your speakers, your surrounds hooked up and everything? I have two in the back, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're hardcore. And the the subwoofer is a nice footrest. <laughs> I haven't had new speakers since for the last thirteen years. I guess that's hardcore. I, I do wish I don't even have it surrounded my home theater now. It's it's I, I used to be all about that, and I now I'm just like whatever is easiest. Just give me the soundbar. Soundbar. Give me get, get you a Vizio soundbar. But now that sounds good. Now, now that I use VR in the living room, I yeah. really want it. Yeah, like PSVR. If you don't want to put on the headphones, having the surround sound yeah. really helps. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Last couple bits of technology news. Uh, your Model 3 pre-orders, they're still apparently on track. If you pre-order today, mm-hmm. you won't get one until at the very earliest, mid-2018. What? No, 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 no. This has to... What? Which says to me they're on track. That's crazy on right? track. Like, I thought my pre-order was going to be mid-2018, right. if not late This is good news to me. Yeah, good totally. News. What? There's no way they're going to make this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I, who knows? Uh, maybe they're just setting expectations. It's mid-2018 or later, so technically 2020 is later after mid-2018. That's right. So And they've got to be up to close means. to half a million pre-orders right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they announced 400,000 way back in June. Uh, what did, um, didn't Elon say there was going to be an announcement this week for some product? He oh. said like, some, something was pushed really? to a Wednesday I don't know. announcement. Um, someone checking Elon's Twitter. Tesla-related? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know. Okay. Who knows with that guy? Yeah. He's gonna be like, "Screw Mars, we're going to Saturn." I know, I know, Jupiter's next, but whatever. Like he'll he'll come up with something crazy. Is Jupiter next? No, Enceladus and and Europa are next. Other products in their third iteration getting announced. Ultimaker also announced the Ultimaker Three. It's okay. a dual extrusion uh, desktop printer, thirty five hundred dollars. Three D printer. Three D printer. Yes. I, I think Sean went to the announcement. He did. So, so he'll be back in a couple of days, and we'll chat with him about. Um, about what's new in the Ultimaker 3, but they said uh, interchangeable nozzles. Update from Elon, the Tesla announcement, 5 o'clock Eastern today. Oh, when really? we're recording this. We're missing, missing. Is he going to try to it's compete? It's a Tesla announcement. He's competing with the debate. <laughs> no, wow, the debate doesn't that, start till 6. Ego. I mean, oh. the, the Tesla announcement is going to be late anyway. E- Elon, they're <laughs> always late. If there's someone <laughs> allowed to have an ego, it's Elon Musk. I don't think anyone's allowed I'll, to have No, that no, no. Ago. The debate's at 9 Eastern. Okay. He has a four-hour window. Okay. To make Who knows? It could be a four-hour. No, no he, he can never go on stage for four hours. And, and As long as he doesn't take Q&A. Did you watch the that the Mars one? No. From, like, he was like, he was up there for like an hour and a half, two hours. Just for Q&A. I wow. love that he can handle engineering questions. That's one of my favorite things about Elon Musk. You know? Steve Jobs was the, a master showman. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could sell anything to anybody. But... He was not an engineer. I love that Elon does that. By the way, the the big thing about the Ultimaker is, yeah. which is interesting, is that why does my voice sound different now? Is that um, it's the two nozzles is all designed from the ground up to do really great water based uh, dissolvable material. Soluble, yeah. So and it's always been kind of kludgy to get that done on other printers, and that that was their thrust for this whole thing. That's what the actual removable nozzles are meant for. Like, there's a nozzle meant for water soluble. Mm. Um, so that that's interesting because it it relieves you don't have to, it changes the support material dynamic. So you can now build just about anything with a extrusion printer. I, I think it's pretty cool. It's just also very expensive. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then, uh, Kishore, you were talking about uh, your experience using uh, your your new Comcast X1. Oh, yeah. So I switched over to um, Comcast for my uh, cable last month, which has been fine. I have one of those remotes with, like, the voice um, recognition, which has actually worked really well. I was kind of surprised because I, I kind of didn't think it would work very well. But they just added uh, Netflix on as a a beta onto my DVR and now I can use voice search to bring up Netflix as well. And that's actually worked pretty good so far. Can, you can use just search Netflix. Yeah. So I can just, you know, basically hold down and be like search Luke Cage and yeah. um, it comes up and auto plays once you, you know, start you sign into your Netflix account. I thought it was great. I like that integration with voice because while uh, some of the upgraded like Roku models and uh, uh, Apple TV have that, um, to have that sort of unified in one box that, you know, encompasses a lot of things, I thought it was pretty neat. I mean, the thing that set-top box makers, whether it's your cable provider or Apple or Roku, want you to not do is switch inputs. Switching inputs is the clunky thing of the living room experience currently. Yes. Um, it takes the longest. It, it gives you that blue screen. Like, TVs just aren't made to gracefully switch inputs. And maybe in the future, one day, they'll we'll have TVs that have better controllers that can buffer inputs and, and run it all at the same time and dyna- switch between really seamlessly, but I have not encountered a TV that does it gracefully. I don't, I think voice in the living room is going to be a big shift um, that, that's coming with these devices. Well, that's what your Google device is going to give you, right? Exactly. Because this is the first time... I, I'm a huge TV watcher. This is the first time I don't know what channel numbers, certain channels that I watch all the time are because I just use voice now. Yeah. And I think that's great. Why do I memorize these channel numbers? It's sort of an artifact. Voice is the great thing about the new Apple TV. I don't know if you've used it, but it's the same kind of thing where you can request artists, uh, actors, you know, anything, and then it'll give you whatever content you have that's in your library. The problem is that I have the same problems that I have with Siri with that. Yeah. That its recognition isn't that great. All right, and that does it for technology news this week. I wanted to use this time to thank the sponsor of this week's episode of This Is Only a Test, and that's Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Using Squarespace, it's really easy to create a website with its simple, intuitive front end. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse, just click and drag. They have beautiful templates designed uh, in their online store with uh, their award-winning templates, customizable settings, and you get it all without using a single plugin. And uh, you get a free custom domain. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you'll get a custom domain for free for that year. And you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Just use the offer code TEST, T-E-S-T, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. So uh, please check it out and thank them for sponsoring this week's show. I'm a pinball nerd. Just the right point. Finally. That makes me very happy. (laughs) That makes me very happy. What was that, Jeremy? Thanks, Daniel Lin, for the pinball segment intro. Uh, so we're not going to have that every week, <laughs> but but once in a while there's something to report. Uh, big pinball event this past week held in Chicago, home of pinball, um, Pinball Expo, where there were some major new games announced. Jersey Jack, 
maker of the Wizard of Oz and the Hobbit pinball machines, yeah. which is a very high-tech platform. They have a huge HD LCD monitor in the back, and every LED, every insert is RGB, can be any color. Lots of high-tech, very expensive games traditionally. Uh, they announced their third game, and it's the first license-free game, non-licensed game. Original IP. Original IP in probably 16 years in pinball. Oh, for any pinball. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, by the majors. Right. Because um, Stern has only done licenses. They only do games based on movies and, and musicians and things like that. And it is by, it is called Dialed In, and it's by um, Pat Lawler, who's a famous pinball designer, did Adam's Family, Whirlwind, Funhouse, all these oh. classics. Big, big deal. Adam's Family, my favorite. Right. So it's also the best-selling pinball game of all time. What so do they show? They showed uh, the game. Like, they actually had it done. Oh, wow. Which is unlike Jersey Jack. He's always had sold the, the idea, taken people's money, and then gone and built it. Uh, he actually, they had five games at the expo for people to play. What did it look like? Very, very colorful. Um, obviously, it's, not, it's so refreshing to see original IP. So it's all new artwork and design. And it's very high tech. There's a cell phone, a fake cell phone, in, in the play field that you engage with. It's like a destruction SimCity theme. And you engage with the cell phone to create acts of destruction, and then you, you know, I, I, I haven't played it obviously, but people who have played it said it's very good. The problem is, well, and I'll we'll mention the problem in a moment because Stern also announced a new game, Batman '66. What? Based on the TV series. Oh, nice. Uh, which is, and it now they have finally have an LCD in the back glass, so y there's a TV back there. How did that look? The game? Yeah, they show that too. Yeah, yeah. It's all that has some Photoshop elements to it because they it's a license, and so they they got the characters and they actually look photo real but it, it's very cool it's got that kapow bam kind of look you know yeah, to the yeah, classic yeah. batman um so and it, it's beautiful but here's the deal though um both of these games both dialed in and batman cross the new threshold for people's for price for pricing um oh, let me guess because uh yeah typically these games are about thirty five hundred dollars each no no like a new stern you might be able to get for five thousand oh, five thousand okay. um street uh, Street, yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's like a black market for this. <laughs> no, yeah, well, yeah, no. Distributors typically sell for less than retail. Yeah. No, I get it. So how much do you think these games are? Seven thousand right. dollars. I'm gonna go nine. Okay, so f for Batman, there's they're not even doing a pro version, which is their typical like low low tier. They're just doing premium and LEs, and the premium model um, goes for eight thousand six hundred dollars. Okay, if you want the LE model, and there's only 240 of those. And then there's also Super LE. Yeah, they, but that, just the LE is $10,000. What? Okay. If you are invited, because it is invite only, to so the Super o LE tier. All sold out already. $15,000. For a pinball. <laughs> for a pinball new machine. pinball machine. Right? What? I'm and looking at the art, though. It does look fantastic. It's very colorful. And by the way, all these games are the same gameplay. It's just decorations are different. Um, Decorate it yourself. Oh my God! So Jersey Jack, his I want to say like the most expensive Hobbit was maybe I don't even remember now. But like when you went to buy them, I think maybe seventy five hundred as these super limited, right? Um, the highest tech. that was the highest tier one was about seventy five hundred. Now the low one is nine thousand dollars. Oh my God! For dialed in, wow, and, and that's you, unlicensed. Yeah, it, right. Like so, there's no fees involved there. Yeah. And the more expensive one, which looks better, it like has better armor and like the side art is different, twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Wow. Uh, I mean, I gotta say, as an operator and pinball owner, this is disappointing stuff. This is not good for pinball. You gotta keep these things under control, people. Is it because uh, the volume? There's not selling that many. 
Like, is you the think, collector's market, is, is it because there is more collectors, more demand? I have no idea, man. I have no idea. I think it's because there is a collector's market that is paying these prices for rare pinball machines or at least highly coveted pinball machines. This feels like and, comic books. And the, just, and the manufacturers see that happening, and so they know there's money being left on the table somewhere. The, the, but the problem is the games that are, people are paying that amount of money for are limited in number, whereas really these aren't. So let me give you a question. Yeah. Um, would you rather have three of these or a Model S? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> or Model 3. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Model 3, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Model 3. I'm, I'm happy to pay my $1.25 and get a couple games out of these. And, and, and <laughs> Exactly, but think about, happy. like, if people are paying $12,000, even $9,000 for a pinball machine, they can't put it at a dollar play. Like, they have to make their money back somehow. It's going to be a $2 game. It's not going to be for operators. Right. I, I mean, uh, if you're talking about how many plays does a pinball machine get at an arcade typically a day? Like, do you know? I don't know how many plays, but a, a machine can earn back it on a very, very... It takes a year to earn back a $5,000 game if you're lucky. If you're lucky. And you're in a major metropolis. So that's, that's about $100, $75 a day. Yeah. Or no, $125 a day. That uh, and uh, that is like the highest earning game in the arcade, in my experience. Right. Right. So I mean, yeah, it's going to take you years to earn these things. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, that's the news from Pinball World. I need a better name for that segment. Taking suggestions. The VR Minute, virtual reality this week. How about that virtual pinball? Have you played those new... There's <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with the virtual pinball? Which one? Have you, have you played more of uh, those new maps or the new, the new tables well, on PinSim? Yeah. I mean, there's not new ones this week, is it? Not this week. Yeah, I played the new Zen pinball ones. They're, yeah. they're great. Um, there's actually a Zakaria is... They were the s- second or third most prolific pinball manufacturer back in the day. They're an Italian company. So that was what was weird. So like most pinball came out of Chicago, but um, there was this Italian company named Sakari. They have an app on Steam with every one of their, I don't even know how many games, 30, 40 games mm-hmm. that they made. And you can, they're all up there and it's VR compatible. Oh, does it, is it PimSim Of course, it, yeah, PimSim, okay. PimSim is compatible. It's super awesome. Excellent. I'm really glad to see that. Um, now there are some new games out in the VR space this week. Uh, Serious Sam have is out. I have not, this is for the Vive. Yeah. It's motion controllers only. Okay, so it's it. You know, Serious Sam. Like it's they kind of they thought back when they released the first Serious Sam that shooters had gone too far down the um, scary you know design route, and they just wanted the old school Doom hundreds of bad guys, like or maybe not hundreds, swarms. But like swarms of bad guys rather than just a, a handful, you know, highly detailed characters. They just wanted swarms of got bad guys running at you, and that's what this is. So you're standing in one spot in various environments and bad guys are running towards you, different types of bad guys, and you start with one weapon or type of weapon and then you can upgrade. Like you get this currency and you can upgrade to all kinds of new fancy weapons. Are you standing some one how much movement in that one spot? None. Oh. It's stationary but you're standing and you're firing in hundred and eighty degrees. Maybe less than that. Maybe like, you know, ninety degrees in front of you. Okay. And I gotta tell you, it's 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 fast pace, but once they get too close to you I got a nope right out of there because it's 
it's just too much. So that's, it's effective then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when they cross into this, my personal space and they're screaming and they have these bombs in their hand, I'm playing on easy mode because I can't let them get that close. So, I mean... This you, looks really intense, like we, looking we, at the trailer right yeah, now. Yeah, when you describe it as a, just standing in one place, that to me is a little disappointing because it's a shooting gallery essentially. Yep. Um, but just like you know, when playing games like Arizona Sunshine, which are essentially shooting galleries, um, you the difference in VR is that you have no private space. There is no barrier yeah. between you and the enemy. They get really up close, and it, it feels visceral yep. when enemies are swarming you, and you even when you look around, like... Do you almost feel like you lose your mobility in your arms, even though there's nothing actually blocking you? Um, but I'm not, yeah, I don't, don't follow what like, you mean like, by that. But I feel like I'm constricted okay. in movement in those games, um, even though my arms aren't actually constricted. Because hmm. I want to move the model and, and be able to shoot, shoot them. Right. I, I am always a little put off by how light the weapons feel because they feel mm. the same weight as a Vive controller. Mm. And I have this you know missile launcher in my hand. But uh, it's, it's, I don't... I like the games that restrict that distance. You know, like, I think uh, Space Pirate Trainer does a great job at this, where they, they do come close to you, but they don't come into your personal space. Um, that's just a matter of taste. And I don't know if there's, a, you, you have to, I don't know if you can design around that or offer different features that, but this is the kind of game, what's that scary game that where the robots come alive and the things all around Raw you? Raw data. Raw data. I can't play that either. Same reason. But some people love this stuff. So there you go. Uh, serious this Sam. seems too intense. Too for much me. for me. Serious Sam, it's too serious. Uh, That'll be the new VR rating system. Like Jeremy scale of like, nope. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> too much. <laughs> that would uh, this would apply. Uh, there's also Eagle Flight finally came out today or yesterday. Yeah, this is Ubisoft's flying game that we saw months and months ago. You're an Eagle. There's multiplayer combat, but it's yeah. controller based. Yeah, so it works on all the platforms. Um I don't know if is it on PSVR? I don't mm, I don't know yet. Um but it, it they were, they were one of the first games to experiment with reducing the field of view when you started. Blinders. Right. Like they bring a, um, what's that called? Vignetting. Oh, thank you. They, they bring a vignette in so it reduces your peripheral vision. And that reduces motion sickness. I when think, you're going really quickly. Right. I think that's really, really, really effective and a very good idea. Yeah, they also give you a little bit of beak to provide kind of a cockpit mm-hmm. to reduce motion sickness. Yeah. Um, but it's a multiplayer game and VR needs more multiplayer games. So Yeah, that's great. absolutely. You're still having dreams about uh, about Lone Echo? Dude, yeah, and they released a, a multiplayer trailer. It's 40 seconds long, but it's 40 seconds you watch over and yeah, over yeah. and for, over for, again. Because so, I don't know if it's possible to really communicate what the game looks like, and so I'm glad they released that because I'm super excited about that one. Um, another surprise piece of VR news. I didn't even see this really hit Reddit that hard, but uh, I follow Nolan Bushnell on Twitter. Um, is Modal VR was announced Hmm. this past week did you follow that at no all? what's he doing it's it's an interesting it's a new vr platform completely brand new it doesn't use leverage any of the existing platforms did you follow this Mm-mm. um and it's completely wireless so i don't know they, they don't go into explaining the tech at all but the headsets are wireless and it uses a base station which is essentially a computer with antennas on it and that provide that that somehow is server for multiple headsets and I don't know if that provides the positional data or if there's something built into the headset, but the headset is like the Vive. I mean, I'm sorry, like the, the Rift prototype that you chart, that you yeah, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz that is positional aware and wireless. Um, it does that. And so their demonstration was to have two players come out to the middle of a football field so there's no obstacles around them. They can put the headset on safely. And then they are pretty far apart, 100 feet apart, maybe 200, uh, 150 feet apart. 
and they're playing like a disc game in VR. They're throwing things at each other and a running real around. disc or a well, no, 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 no virtual, virtual disc. disc. Yeah, okay. so it's all virtual, and um, you know they like cut back to the real footage of just crickets and these guys with headsets running around the field. But then in VR, they're just super action packed, and uh, it's silly. Like they so one of the guys like doing rolls and stuff like somersaults. And it's all positional aware, and it, it's really compelling. I mean, if this is actually something they've accomplished right now that they can demonstrate, that's great. Nolan Bushnell, obviously the founder of Atari and uh, Chuck E. Cheese, guy has quite an imagination, and he uh, he's behind it along with uh, one chief developer. And it looks pretty cool, but the problem is it's all commercial. Yeah. So there's not consumer products at all. They haven't even announced pricing. Theme parks. Yes. Well, they want to sell to the people who will develop for theme parks. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be a developer, you can contact them. So make the platforms for people like um, like uh, in, in Utah to, to build out you know, laser tag for VR. Right. And I, I think as we get standalone, uh, so, some type of untethered uh, positional tracking system that works well, reasonably, I think once that tracking is, is solved, it's going to be less about how good the graphics look and more about what you can do in large-scale virtual spaces with real space analogs. Yeah. So warehouses, football fields, and I'm more interested in that type of 4v4 or you know group activity in a larger space, in shared VR space, even if it's low fidelity, than I am in the super photorealistic immersive single-player VR. 100% agree. VR experience. 100%. Yeah. Um, anything else in virtual reality this week? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? So uh, last week, uh, Patrick and I reviewed the Lenovo Yoga book. He brought that in. He'd been using it for quite a bit. It is this is the thing without the keyboard, right? Yeah, it has a has a haptic keyboard. So it looks like a laptop. It looks like a, a convertible, like a really thin, lightweight, uh, Atom-based Windows 10 computer. But instead of having physical keys, and it's not like a Surface where it's a type cover or touch cover, it is a glass pad that has light up outlines for the keys that you can use as a keyboard but also provides vibrating haptic feedback and the reason that it's a glass pad and they don't have actual physical keys is that pad also works as a wacom tablet a digitizer Mm -hmm. so it's made for people who want to do note taking and the big question is whether you can actually type on it or not patrick says yes not as quickly as you would want and also the haptic feedback sometimes gets in the way so it's basically essentially touch typing as you would do on um on um, a, a tablet well that's the problem is like i have a hard time touch typing on non-tactile keyboards mm-hmm. right then it probably isn't for you yeah and the haptic vibration feedback because you can get vibration feedback on, on touch typing on tablets today if that's not good enough for you this this won't be good enough for you um but the whole surface works as a digitizer so if you're an artist a student you Sounds can great. draw and write notes um on, on your tablet, uh, or you can put a, because it, the way it works is um, with the EM field, you can also put like a notepad on top of that glass pad. Oh, that's a real cool. note drawing and then have that 
digitize on the spot. If I had to use this, I'd probably just use a Bluetooth or USB keyboard, right? Yeah, you just could also do that, that And it would be, yeah. like, if I were an artist, this would make great sense. And if I needed mm-hmm. to type, I'd have the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe the, they're, I don't think they have any plans, but it would defeat the point for them to sell, like, a Bluetooth keyboard accessory type keyboard accessory that mounts on top of the glass pad. Yeah. Because the whole point <laughs> is that they have the light-up keyboards. But I get what you mean. Um, you've been also using a robot, Jeremy. I have. Uh, so it's the Cosmo robot made by, what's that racetrack? That uh, was Anki. I th- yeah, thank you, Anki Drive. They revealed that at like a MacWorld like years ago. Um, you guys have one. I, I haven't actually used that, um, but it's interesting. Like that was their first product. It was cars that run around a racetrack, and you activate weapons and things with your iPhone. Uh, well, they've evolved their robotics, and now they sell an actual robot called the Cosmo. Somehow, I was on a disc list, and I got an email about it a long time ago, and I was compelled to pre-order, and um, I'm glad I did. It's not cheap. It's like it's around. It's not two hundred, but it's close to two hundred dollars. Um, and you got to say that up front because I think some people just forget about it at that point. But it's it's awesome amount of robotics. It's a tiny little guy. God, what like he'd fit on an iPhone smaller than probably. And he's got a little tractor arm. Um, and he's got it's not a crazy number of sensors. He has a an actual optical camera on the front and an OLED screen that provides expressions and feedback. And he has an IR sensor underneath, and presumably it's like an IR sensor for the front, and he can tell when his arm is up and down. Um, but the way that they put these sensors to use is pretty awesome. He also ships with three little cubes, and he's very expressive. Um, he has a Wally kind of sense about him. He um, can use these cubes in various ways. So he he can run up, he can find the cube, position himself to lift it up, go up to it and lift it up. He can stack the cubes. But he, the coolest thing is he play games. He can play games with you. So like, and he he learns to recognize you. So if he looks at you and you, first time you meet him, you tell him your name. He'll then when he sees you again, he'll look at you and say, "Oh, Jeremy." What? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And you can introduce him to other people. So like, you get your friends to look him in the face and then tell him what their name is, and he'll remember them. Next time he sees them, he might say their name, and um, then you can play games with them. So like, you put him in front of a cube which all have RGB LEDs, by the way, the cubes do, um, around the top. And so then when he's in front of the cube, he plays various games. The coolest one is this uh, tap game. So we each have a cube, and when the cubes are the same color, uh, the first one to tap the cube wins this, the round and then, or the game. And then, and then you play like five games per round. And uh, he gets faster, and he, he improves. And it's interesting. And the more you play with him, the more in-game credits you get, and then you can spend those credits to unlock new games and new uh, tricks. It's the same computer vision technology that's in PSVR, recognizing lights and mm-hmm. faces. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I'm not sure if he actually sees the lights on the cube or if he's just Bluetooth connected to them and knows mm. what the lights are. I hope it's the, the former. Is, is this the pure toy or can you actually do like program it to do stuff? There's an SDK. So that's my next step is I want to download that SDK and see what's possible. Um, yeah, you're watching the video now. He's very expressive. His sounds are really good. Uh, and uh, I think they did a really great job. He's definitely the most complex, advanced robot I've played with. Can I ask you a quick tangent question? Yeah. You remember the the last time I remember you bringing up a toy was those two race cars that yeah. could race each other. What were they called? Like Verve or something? Yeah, I, I forget. But yeah, you race them with I, iOS devices. Yeah. What, do you still like those? My son plays with them when friends come over. 
And they're they're cool. They're like Anki Drive in that that you are you have iPhone controlled cars that have virtual weapons that can shoot at each other, but they're not limited to a track. And so they run around. They just race around like RC cars. But if you play the AI, mm-hmm. it is environment aware, so it can avoid walls and you know things like that. And it will shoot at you, and you can shoot it. And that it's def- it's definitely neat. I was wondering if they had staying power. No, I mean, no, they played a lot with them for a week, mm-hmm. and now it's once in, once every few months. Yeah, I don't. And the problem I hope is that they don't go the microtransaction route with Cosmo, yeah, because they have all the makings of it. They have this in-game currency that you spend on these, like I said, games, and it just feels like they're about to nickel and dime you to unlock more stuff. And I hope that doesn't happen because at two hundred bucks, no. That should just be something that I yep. I do, and it's all embedded. And you're using it more than your kids? Oh, they haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, no, testing, I, it, testing it first. As yeah, a dad. yeah, yeah. No. All right. Uh, Kishore, have you been testing anything? I know no. you've been running your live show. I'm still um, playing around with the Amplify. Mm. I th- I'd say that's a big thing I'm still testing. Still working great. You know, one little bit of technology news that we can talk about is, and, and you mentioned the NFL earlier, is... Bill Belichick <laughs> down with tablets. He freaked out on the Surface tablets uh, on the sideline. Like, well, he didn't so, say Surface specifically, but those are the only tablets they're allowed to use. Yeah, so the NFL has a, a deal with Microsoft, so they use these Surface tablets on the sideline to like review plays and like have you know you know different you know replays and whatnot. I remember because the commentators were calling them iPads at first. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Microsoft lost their mind and like now it says surface everywhere. <laughs> and you you can see and the report was that basically he was having connectivity issues and he like freaks out and just like trashes one of these tablets on the sidelines. It's pretty great. Yeah. And I, he, I feel I feel like that with the tested internet sometimes though. <laughs> That's all right. He's going back to paper. Going back to paper printouts. And stealing other people's signals. <laughs> Whoa. Shade. And on that note, let's uh, wrap it up this week for this uh, episode of There's Only a Test. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We're doing, we're like, there's so much going on right now. Um, We have our live show coming up. We're building out our set. We're doing a lot of new production that you guys will start being able to see um, in early November. Uh, So please look forward to that. Um, And in the meantime, you can follow Kishore at Science Quiche on Twitter and Jeremy at Jareware on Twitter. Hey, I released the Wi-Fi adapter for the game frame. I saw you making the packages for that. Yeah, so that's up. There's probably like 20 left um, of the first batch of, I'm calling them beta units, but if you have a game frame, the new one that came out this year, check it out. Uh, Go to my website. I'm selling them at cost. They're not that expensive, Um, and there's a lot of new features. And if you have a game frame, I think it makes a lot of sense to to have the Wi-Fi. You can tie it to your Echo. And, of course, you can find all of our stuff um, at Testedcom and at YouTube.com slash Testedcom. We'll see you next week. Um, and I think we have an outro this week. Yes, Jeremy? Yeah, I, I didn't bother with the internet this time. It's okay. actually downloaded. All right. It's an so oldie. So we, do, we don't have to do acapella version? <laughs> no. This is an oldie but a goodie. You haven't heard it yet. Hi there. I didn't see you. Tested. about this one i'm not getting anything because you're muted let's do that again that was great see you next week bye